Do you want to hear about something that is so unique for two-year colleges? Did you know that Unmuddle created a national marketplace for community colleges? That's right. For more details, go to unmuddle.com slash colleges. That's U-N-M-U-D-L dot com slash colleges. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Edip Experience podcast where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here with you again. I will tell you I have another amazing college and university president to talk with today, but let me tell you guys something first. As When this episode comes out, we will be well into the 310s or 320 in terms of the number of episodes we have put out. It's a lot of talking to a lot of people, um, over 100 college and university presidents that have dished on everything that they've gone through in the last two years. Um, and it is a lot. Could you, A, go back and listen to 300 episodes to get that information? Or B, would you like to read about all the themes and all of the concepts from those uh, amazing 300 episodes in a book, for example? Uh, well, if you said B, a book, um, and synthesize the, all of these themes and topics, you're in luck because we are writing a book here at the Edip Experience. Myself, along with my co-author, Kate Colbert, we are going to be putting out a book that synthesizes, as I said, all of this amazing material from all these amazing leaders. And I'm sure that is something that you would be probably more excited about than going backwards in time. It kind of feels like you had to go back to episode two to get to 300. It's a lot of listening. It might be overwhelming if you haven't come across the Edip Experience before. But remember, you can also cherry pick. You can go to theedipexperience.com. And we have categorized all the episodes we have. So if you want to talk to community college presidents, well, there's probably 30 of them that we've interviewed on there. You just click on community colleges and it gives you all those episodes of all the amazing leaders. And there you go. We're going we're gonna to have another amazing leader today. Talk with you right now. Without further ado, let me bring her in. Her name is Dr. Rowena Tomineng, and she is president at San Jose City College. Welcome to the Edip Experience. How are you? Good. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning for the conversation. Oh, you make me happy by being here, not the other way around. <laughs> I, you're, you're, you're so busy. Um, you, you, Boy, what a great uh, background you have in higher ed. You've just been all over the place, all over California, uh, running, you know, just these institutions helping to serve students from, uh, you know, very diverse backgrounds. And um, you yourself, uh, as an Asian American, I'm going to ask you just the, the most, what I think is the most important question right off the gun here. Um, uh, Asian American, you, you are leading colleges and universities in, in California, San Jose City College now. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you about San Jose City College just in a second. But I do want to ask you first, and most importantly, to talk about your path towards college president uh, and why we don't see more leaders from the Asian American and Pacific Islander community in higher ed at the highest level? Yeah, thank you for that question, Joe. So uh, my background is that I am a first generation Filipina American immigrant. I was born in the Philippines and my family immigrated to the United States uh, when I was five years old. And I have just uh, resided, you know, in California, grew up in Southern California, 
and from my graduate programs made my way up to the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been in the California Community Colleges for over 25 years. Uh, it's gone by, thank you so much. It's gone by so fast, but I just love community colleges. I was a community college transfer student, uh, went to Cypress College in Southern California, and from there transferred to UC Irvine, and then did my first graduate degree at UC Santa Barbara, and then my doctorate up here in the North at University of uh, San Francisco. Have you so, ever been outside of the state of California, Rowena? Just uh, yes. So I haven't least been uh, personally. I've you know I've traveled you know for uh, conferences you know outside of California and institutes, but I've only lived in California, and uh, for the most part, you know Southern California, and then of course up here uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they say a lot of people who grew up here in California have been here since they were really young, unless unless they get to the point where, you know, they get older, they're working for a company that moves them out. A lot of people have been here forever in California. Yes. Just live here, grow up here, can't give up the weather. Anyway, <laughs> go back to, go. it, it is kind of nice. I, I mean, I'm in uh, Ontario, California right now. It's kind of hard to beat the weather around here. Oh, I know where Ontario is. And California is such a great state because we have so much diversity as well, which is different from some of the other states. Uh, there are, you know, a, a very large Asian American community, uh, particularly Chinese and um, uh, uh, folks from um, the the East that are over here in Southern California. And, um, you know, I wasn't used to that. I, I grew up in New York, so there was a, a Asian population in New York. But uh, I, and then I spent some time in Colorado, not as uh, not as populous from the Asian community. But we don't see a lot of leaders from the Asian uh, and Pacific Islander community, or at least I haven't come across that many. Right. We're intentionally we intentionally go and we say, OK, we have college presidents that, you know, we have the, the white guys and we, you know, we want to get some black women on. And we've had some amazing uh, uh, Latino uh, women and men from, from that community, but not as many from the Asian community. And what do you think about that? Is there just less um, Asian Americans in higher ed? Yes. Well, I, I think certainly that we have uh, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders across higher ed institutions and probably predominantly in the faculty ranks in addition to our classified professionals but there are less uh, in administration. And so uh, I think the last uh, set of research that I looked at nationally, I believe for Asian American Pacific Islander descent uh, college and university presidents, I think we're under 4% if smaller. And then for California, uh, when I took a look last year, I think we were um, about 6% in terms of the leadership. And uh, we have lost a few of my colleagues due to retirement. And so I've been thinking very deeply about um, how to really work on uh, the pipeline uh, of encouraging and fostering uh, leadership in higher ed, you know, amongst uh, the next generation of AAPIs. And it's something that I take very seriously. Uh, I'm currently the vice president of Asian Pacific Americans for Higher Education, which is a national organization. 
And we've been doing some great work in terms of trying to build up the leadership pipeline um, over 20 years. And so we do have a leadership institute uh, that is open to uh, practitioners in the four-year university in addition to the two-year community college. But it's something that um, I, uh, does concern me, especially in California, where we do have a very large percentage uh, population growth for AAPIs in the next 20 years. I believe we're the fastest growing community in our diversity, uh, second to our uh, Latinx uh, brothers and sisters. Really interesting, uh, but the very small percentage, right? For when you think about four percent, you four eh, percent, but it's really a small number of folks. Um, you know, am, amongst leadership, there's there's thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. It's just a very small community, and so I, I love and and applaud the work that you're doing to try to um, to to ensure the pipeline of Asian Americans toward uh, higher education, uh, the ranks of higher education. I think it's a very important job. Do you feel? Do you feel responsibility since you've achieved? Do you feel like you have to be giving back to, to, to the future of uh, Asian Americans and, and their uh, hopes and dreams to achieve the highest level of, uh, of administration in higher ed? Yes, I do feel like part of the work um, in terms of giving back and uh, coaching and mentoring, um, you know, from faculty to classified professionals and other managers in the AAPI community is a way for me to give back and pay it forward because I have had so much support, have, you know, feel very blessed to have had strong mentors and coaches myself, you know, over the years across uh, three different districts, actually, all here in the Bay Area. And, um, and it's something that matters. And what heartens me is that for our California Community College system, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a major initiative at the statewide level uh, coming out of our chancellor's office and our board of governors. And so I'm happy to also pay it forward by serving as one of the CEO representatives for the statewide uh, DEI implementation work group and uh, some of the other CEOs um, across the system, we even uh, started a racial equity and inclusive task force of CEOs across the state so that we could advance this work uh, in terms of increasing the number of faculty of color and retaining them across our various institutions in addition to uh, fostering leadership amongst up-and-coming uh, leaders of color. Love it. Nice. Well, well good work. Thank well, you. Let's, let's talk about San Jose City College. Tell me, now we can get into this really important conversation that, about where you are and what you're doing to help students. And uh, tell us about San Jose City College. It's a community college. Um, what's the demographic of student look like? What's the good, good work you guys are doing there? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm actually on a high in terms of talking about, you know, my amazing college, because this year we are celebrating our centennial year. So it is our hundredth anniversary. 
And yesterday we had a fabulous uh, centennial ceremony. Our official birthday is uh, September 12th, 1921. And uh, we are proud to say that we are the oldest community college uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. That is cool. It's That's very, awesome. very cool. And yesterday when we had our ceremony, we had such a strong showing of support, you know, despite the pandemic and the mask wearing, uh, we had almost the entire San Jose City Council at our event, along with our county supervisors, state assembly folks, and also um, state senators attend uh, to show how the college has continued to impact, you know, not only San Jose City, but the broader Silicon Valley region, you know, over these hundred uh, decades. Yeah. I mean, a hundred years, that's special, right? It's yes. Like, how do you, how do you do anything that, you know, no matter what the planning looks like around that, you wonder, is that significant enough for a hundred years? Like <laughs> we kind of got to go bigger here, right? It's just like always you go bigger and bigger, and bigger, but I, I, I'm so happy to hear that. And, and that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, no, what I was going to say, too, is going back to your early question, because uh, I got caught up in the centennial planning, which we're still, you know, doing events this week, is that um, SJCC as an institution, uh, we embrace uh, minority serving status. We're dual designated as a Hispanic serving institution, about 43 percent of the student body is of Latinx background. And then our second minority serving dis, uh, uh, designation is Anapisi, which is Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islanders. And we have close to 30% of our student body who are of uh, AAPI uh, background. Is that so, a federal designation? Yes, that, it's a federal really? designation. Never, I've never... I think I knew about that, but I don't think I've come across any institution that has brought that up. That's really interesting. I didn't know that that was a, I, I mean, I've, we've talked to some leaders, obviously with Hispanic serving institutions. And then we had one particular leader out of New Jersey that was, uh, um, had a PBI, a predominantly black institution, which yes. was a, a new designation, I think under the Obama administration that, that uh, he, because there's no more HBCUs, right? You can't have an HBCU. So they put the PBI on. T tell me about, what did you say? It was that, uh, uh, you, what was the acronym again? So we're, uh, HSI, Hispanic mm -hmm. Serving, and then also Anapisi. Anapisi. Yeah, and that's the very long name, Asian American, Native American, Pacific Islander Serving. Wow. And Yes, and so um, it's exciting to be designated, you know, in terms of those two categories, because what that means is that we are eligible uh, to apply for federal grants, uh, with the Department of Education and uh, for San Jose City, uh, we're actually on our third HSI uh, grant uh, in terms of serving our Latinx community and implementing high impact practices so that we can close uh, that racial achievement gap and have more of our students transfer to four year institutions, you know, or if they choose to finish uh, career education uh, certificates uh, with some of our programs because 
San Jose City has an amazing career education division, uh, you know, in ranging from uh, air conditioning and HVAC programs to construction technology. We have a, a Google IT apprenticeship program uh, with Google and uh, Microsoft PathStream. Uh, in addition to our academic, traditional academic transfer disciplines. Uh, and, you know, having the MSI statuses for two populations means that, you know, we can enhance um, all of what we're doing in terms of receiving additional funds, uh, you know, for tutoring uh, programs, um, special uh, faculty development type programs in terms of working with the curriculum, uh, you know, tours to uh, other colleges and universities, participating in leadership programs, you know, and what have you. It's very exciting. I was reading um, a little bit about your, your background. You are on the board, you're, you're, um, you're on the boards of the uh, chief executive offers of Oh, let me try that again. Uh, Rowena, some days my tongue and mouth don't work here. I do the, a lot of these podcast episodes and it just, I've like atrophy of the mouth here. Chief Executive <laughs> Officers of the California Community Colleges, the National Asian Pacific Islander Council, American Association of Community Colleges, EdSource, and other organizations. So you're just like super active. How do you balance your job as president at San Jose City College and the responsibility of activism that you feel and, and about activism and involvement in higher ed organizations and community organizations, which do take time to be involved in, right? Uh, I'm in some myself, it's like, oh, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta do this thing. It's like, oh, here's my job on the side. Oh, I got the podcast. And, <laughs> and so there, there's a lot of balance uh, as a leader to balance your passion and your responsibility that you feel um, to others. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, sometimes when I think about, you know, this idea of balance, because I do get that question a lot. And um, I think in terms of taking on these types of jobs that we have in executive leadership, you know, uh, achieving balance, you know, is difficult to do. And so I tend to kind of look at um, prioritizing more in terms of balance. And then also, you know, just thinking about what I commit to outside of the institution, you know, and uh, many of the boards that I commit to and the other projects uh, that I agree to are very, very relevant to the work that I'm doing um, at the institution at San Jose City College. And so I feel like it's just an extension. Uh, yes, sometimes I do feel like I need more, many more hours in the day, you know, to accomplish everything that I set out to do. Uh, but I feel like it's my heart's work. Uh, it's my passion. And so if I could maintain, you know, that combination of, you know, really uh, providing the attention that's needed you know, to the institution and all of my employees that I care about so much and also our students, you know, but at the same time, extending that work, you know, uh, external to the campus, it's exciting to me. Um, and I'm inspired by it, you know, even if some days 
I'm very exhausted and overwhelmed, but I'm just inspired at making an impact, you know, at the micro level uh, at SJCC, but also in the broader level in community. Because I think, you know, the more that we could have uh, folks in higher ed uh, doing both and then sharing with each other and exchanging effective practices. Um, you know, uh, the stronger we are as a higher ed community uh, in moving the needle, you know, for uh, black and brown students. I'm Liesl Dees, Continuing Education Director at San Juan College. As a founding partner of Unmuddle, we are excited about the new options for students and community colleges. Unmuddle.com provides a unique and student-centered marketplace for working learners to build their skills, redeem their courses for credit, and directly fill workforce needs of employers. Unmuddle streamlines the pathway between education and employment, providing access to a one-stop course-to-jobs marketplace. Totally. I- I know what you mean. I, I this podcast uh, I have, you know, it's I've interviewed a hundred, you know, over a hundred university and college presidents, and my brain is always so full and it's been direct, almost overflowing. Um, and it's it's like it's a direct application to my work that I do at Claremont Lincoln University as the chief operating officer. I get all these great tips and uh, uh, perspectives from these amazing leaders like yourself um, to to apply, which is great. Right, you have to go get things um, on the outside and bring them inside. And that's what uh, one of the advantages we have of being leaders. But I want to learn just one thing about you, Huina. This is the part of the episode where I keep you on your feet. You ready for this? Okay. All right. Are you sure? I am. Okay. (laughs) Rowena, every time you walk into a room, there's there's a song playing on the loudspeaker. It's your entrance music that you have to, to tell everybody that you're coming. What song would be playing on the overhead as you walk into the room. All right. This one's an easy one for me. Okay. Love it. Love it. It's, it's an easy one because um, I just absolutely love the black eyed peas song. Where is the love? Nice. (laughs) You know that one? Oh yeah. Are you familiar with that one? Of course. So yeah. So I love that song and I've actually been introduced with that song Uh, to a college community when I became the president of Berkeley City College prior to uh, San Jose City College. And I love that song because when you get to know me, you know, when students, um, you know, interact with me, when faculty speak with me and join reading groups with me, you know, when I work with classified professionals and colleagues, I talk a lot about the importance of love you know, in relation to building relationships and building community, and also thinking about our campuses as uh, places of belonging. Um, You know, a lot of the research that I've read over the years talk a lot about how uh, creating an inclusive uh, campus, a learning community that fosters that sense of belonging, you know, across all student groups in addition to employees is a place where everybody can thrive, you know, and be successful. Um, And so, um, so that has to be my song and it will be my song, you know, for all time. (laughs) Every episode we have what's called a mic drop moment. And that was it. And I, I actually can make this official. Let me see if I can do it here for you. 
That was the mic drop moment. <laughs> I, I'm dangerous with my sound effects now. You Rowan, are. You're getting good. You're I'm really good. Getting better with them. I'm having more. <laughs> so I, I and and then I have you know I could do all my voice changes and stuff. But we have the mic drop moment. It, it's an important. It's it's the thing that you say that's just really impactful. And you know you I think you have to have love in your heart especially as a community college president, not that all college and university presidents don't. No, we, we have to have love for students, but a uh, community college, we specifically serve a, um, uh, an audience that has challenges and, it, and, and it's a very diverse audience, not in just in, um, in, in background, but in age, in, pl in place of education, right? We, you could have adult students at 35 with some kids looking to upskill and finally finish an, finish an associate degree so they can go off and get a job it could be the 18 year old student that that didn't the private university uh, or public university down the road wasn't right for them at a four-year level so they go a little closer to home and, and take a two-year degree to try mm -hmm. and save money and and so you're serving a range of students in every classification and demographic that's possible so you have to have love in your heart because it is challenging it is a challenging issue, especially Rowena. And what I'd like to have you address right now is the challenge of getting these students back. Where did they all go? The 10% decline we've seen in community college enrollment across the country. Coronavirus dispersed a lot of people and, and we, we have to want to get them back because they all have challenges. Yes, I mean, that's the bit, that's the question for right now. So specifically for San Jose City, uh, prior to the pandemic, if I could just go back um, quickly to fall of 2019, before I arrived, the, our enrollment actually has dropped about 15% uh, since then. So you're talking about a few thousand students in, in relation to headcount enrollment. Thank you for so, putting a number on that too. Yeah. You could say 15. Well, it's important. Somebody yes, says 15% yes. and in your mind as a person who's listening to that, you're going, oh, you know, it's... It, but when you're talking about thousands of students, that's yes. a big, huge, massive, impactful number. Yes, it's such a big number. And I know that what we've been doing is trying to get as much information as you know possible. So when uh, the pandemic hit, uh, we even uh, did a zip code analysis of our students and we discovered that the, many of our students were coming from the most impacted uh, neighborhoods in terms of contracting COVID uh, in uh, Eastside San Jose. And so what we did as an institution was, uh, you know, we ramped up, uh, we had, we uh, bought a interactive text messaging platform uh, ed sites that has been working uh, very well for us. The students like that. Uh, we have a, another chat bot, you know, that we're using for counseling admissions and records. And then uh, we've been making phone calls, you know, to students, uh, you know, to let them know what support services that we have and we're ready, you know, for them to come back. Uh, and you've probably heard this, you know, from other um, uh, presidents that uh, with the higher education emergency relief funds, you know, many institutions are also um, looking at debt relief, you know, uh, to support students um, and encouraging them to come back. Uh, 
-hmm. you know, if they've stopped out in addition to the emergency funds. So, but, you know, even with all of that, you know, um, we still have right now for fall semester, our enrollments are down about 8% uh, since last fall. And um, we're just trying to figure out where, um, where is the drop-off? And sadly, it's actually in our non-traditional, it's in our traditional students. So many of the students that have returned are um, older students, adult learners, um, and many of them are in our career education programs. And I know that, you know, there has been, you know, in the Silicon Valley that, you know, they've done um, a demographic look and that we do have less traditional students, you know, in the pipeline graduating from high school, you know, but certainly we know that there are more students out there that, um, you know, uh, that we'd like for them to come back, you know, to complete uh, their academic program with us, you know, or give them an opportunity to explore you know, transfer programs, and then even career education as well. Do you think so, that has some? Do you think that has something to do? Um, I, I'm I'm grasping at straws here to to think through this with you a little bit. You probably know more than I do, but you know, is the adult student just maybe more? Um, I don't know. Could could accept distractions created by coronavirus, reprioritize things, and end up back in school because things are becoming more normal with their kids, possibly, and so then all of a sudden this time opens up for them versus the traditional student who who was probably debating on college in the first place like go to college or not and they end up going to work possibly or they are they helping to put food on the table for their family or have they decided they're just going to go to work and not come back to higher ed do you have any even anecdotal thoughts around or evidence around why it's the younger more traditional student that's being you know harder to to reconvince or locate yeah, well, we've been exploring, I mean, some of the um, reasons that you just stated right now, certainly all of that is in the mix. Um, we also have uh, younger students, you know, who um, uh, are really tired, Joe. You know, many students have said that they're just really tired of the Zoom environment, you know, of the online environment, yet they do want the flexibility because as you said, you know, many of our students um, are, you know, coming from communities and families that you have multiple wage earners, you know, in order to make ends meet. So certainly um, economics is a big factor. Uh, I'm sure that other presidents have spoken about, you know, the affordability um, and basic needs issue. Uh, that we've been tracking for several years now, um, not only in California, but across the nation. And when you when we speak to students in terms of barriers to, um, you know, education and, you know, maintaining their programs, you know, many of them talk about food insecurity, housing insecurity, certainly here in the Silicon Valley Bay Area you know, even with the pandemic, you know, the cost of living has not decreased. Rents are still really high. Uh, even our faculty, you know, and managers and classified professionals uh, have difficulty 
uh, affording to live in the Bay Area. So they're do commuting really long distances now that we're back in our offices. It's really, a, it, it's a, man, just a confusing mess of, of issues. It really is. It's, it's uh, like picking apart little pieces of a spider web to try to get down to the, the root of things. You know, I, I, I do want to ask you um, what, I, I like to ask this question in this way. What, what keeps you up at night right now? And it could be the same thing, Rowena, that you talked about. And what keeps you coming back the next day to take on this very hard leadership role that you have? Yeah, so uh, lately, um, you know, IE for like more than 18 months. <laughs> so what keeps me up at night, I think, is when I hear um, the stories of my students struggling. Um, and then likewise, you know, I have a lot of concern too for some of my employees, you know, who are, um, you know, older or they're not, you know, you know, in great health because the, you know, pandemic and then now with the Delta variant, you know, it's very, very scary and there is a lot of fear out there. So I think that is what's been keeping me up at night, just making sure that we're doing everything possible, you know, as you said, to maintain connection, because certainly in the online environment, uh, these past 16, 17 months or so, that is one of the biggest challenges that students uh, and faculty actually have talked about uh, when we survey them or when uh, we're in meetings with them is that they don't feel as connected uh, in the online environment as they do in, in person. And that's not to say that, you know, moving forward, uh, institutions do need to be more flexible. You know, students have told us you know, in multiple, multiple surveys that the, uh, what they'd like to see in the future is more flexibility. You know, I just recently read a report uh, where um, Hanover Research interviewed uh, students at City College uh, who are not in special programs. And many students talked about uh, the need to offer uh, more weekend courses, classes on the weekends, so that they can work during the weekdays, you know, and then also bringing back more evening classes. Mm -hmm. So that's what they've told us. And then secondly, um, they, um, they want to know more and have uh, more improved communication on all of the support services. Because, you know, we always think that we're doing a great job in terms of communication, you know, putting things up on social media, on the website, you know, with our text messaging platform, you know, but many students still don't um, know the extent, you know, of support that we can provide them. So that is what keeps me up at night, you know, when I worry, when I hear stories of students struggling, and um, I get up in the morning, and in my mind, you know, I'm thinking of what are other things that we can do? What do we need to do differently? you know, um, to, um, help them, uh, so that they don't stop out. Right. And that, that is, and, but that's how great innovation happens too. Hopefully something strikes you, you know, this feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night. Yes. Heart's beating and you go, Oh, wait a second. I, I think we could do this. We could try this. Uh, and so that's where great innovation happens. 
but but it is you know they talk about the the college and university presidents across the country also feeling burnout just like staff and it's been this responsibility of taking care of lives not just to for financial equity and and closing equity gaps and wealth gaps but but health responsibility and keeping people safe when they come back on and there's a responsibility that falls on all of us to do that, that's a very hard responsibility to handle, unexpected in a lot of ways that you layer on top of everything that a college administrator did in the first place. It is, it's a load to carry. Um, so there's, it's great to know there's great and amazing leaders like you out there, Rowena, and, and uh, it's appreciated. And so I'm going to ask you our last two questions. You ready for this? Yes. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you one and then uh, um, unbeknownst to him, my my producer Elvin Freitas is going to come on to ask you the second part. Let's see if this can let's see if this works. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, um, what about San Jose City College did we not talk about today that you would want to discuss or plug or talk about? And the second part of the question is from Elvin. What do you see as the future of higher education? <laughs> Did that work? Elvin, thanks for coming on. Your voice is a little high, but, uh, you know, it's great to have you a part of the episode here. So what, what do you want to tell us about City College, San Jose City College, and what's the future of higher education look like? And I made you laugh, so um, I'm hitting all cylinders here. Elvin, Elvin's voice made me laugh, too. Yeah, and he took Joe. off now. He just asked that. Oh. He took off. I don't know where he went. Yeah, so one thing that I wanted to leave everyone with in terms of SJCC is that... Um, you know, as we're celebrating our centennial, I've been reflecting a lot about our impact. And we've had so many impacts in terms of the valley. So, you know, we've, you know, um, have helped in terms of the development, you know, of uh, Silicon Valley becoming the technological capital of the world. You know, we've had alumni, I, I'm not sure if you know this, but we had the reputation too, and we were called Speed City. And so uh, we have Olympia, Olympic athletes, you know, as our alumni. And so we've had amazing scholar athletes that have become very, very su su successful in their professional world, um, as well as internationally. And then we've had poets, we've had writers, we have, have had so many civic leaders, you know, that are paying it forward and giving back to the San Jose and Santa Clara community in terms of uh, leading as CEOs, organizations, foundations to support, you know, uh, heritage, education and the arts, mayors, we've got alumni who are mayors of their cities, uh, city council members, what have you. And so, you know, what that tells me is that, you know, for the college, you know, we're doing something really impactful and powerful uh, in the work that we do with students um, and the community. And so, you know, it's my goal that, you know, for the time that I'm here, you know, and in the future <laughs> to instill in, you know, future generations of SJCC leaders that um, we maintain our values of providing um, equity. Um, and, you know, we define racial equity, economic equity, and then opportunity. And then also that we are a social justice campus. You know, so one thing that I haven't talked about yet is my 
amazing ethnic studies department who, you know, is really leading and paving the way for the rest of the California community college system in terms of meeting some of the new requirements, you know, for ethnic studies, along with our California State University partners. Well, that's incredible. A lot of good work going on. So what yeah. do you see Rowena as the future of higher education? So future of higher education, um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, we have changed in terms of uh, technological readiness uh, because of the pandemic. And so many institutions across California and across the nation, you know, who were reluctant to embrace online educational modalities, uh, even hybrid modalities uh, and other technological tools are more ready. Um, I think the future is that even with our faculty, you know, our administrators and our classified professionals that uh, they too, you know, um, have uh, enhanced um, the training, you know, and their skill sets uh, in hybrid classrooms. Uh, I'm sure other presidents have talked about the high flex model as well. Yep. Um, one of my faculty members recently did an op-ed piece in the Mercury, and he talked about how one of the challenges for instruction is that because we have improved and increased our skills, you know, in the Zoom, you know, online environment that, you know, we have to step it up in the in-person. So when we come back to traditional, you know, in-person instruction, that we need to step it up. And the way that we're going to do that, from my perspective, is that we have to increase cultural responsive curriculum across the disciplines, and we got to increase cultural responsive pedagogy so that we can really have faculty in higher ed you know, practice those strategies of connecting, care, and nurturing, you know, that all of our students need to thrive and be successful in our institutions for transfer, you know, and complete their degrees and start their lives, you know, and enter their professions. So there's a lot of work that we have to do, but it's exciting work. You know, and I know, Joe, you have the energy and my colleagues have the energy to do this. And I certainly have the energy and I'm getting I'm getting very, you know, inspired right now, just talking about it and seeing what opportunities lie ahead for all of us. Well, that is amazing. And I am so honored that you came on today, Rowena. It has been really inspiring to talk with you and hear just your perspective on everything and the great work that you're doing, um, truly. And, uh, and uh, I love your entrance music. Um, I challenge the staff at San Jose City College to play that for you every time you're walking into the room. <laughs> now, challenge, uh, challenge laid out. Let's see if it's accepted. Uh, I swear, after I do enough of these episodes, there's just going to be staff everywhere playing entrance music for all these college and university presidents that I interview. I love it. Super I love fun, it. Right? I love it. We have because to it's have not fun. worth doing if we don't have fun in higher exactly. ed. Exactly. Right? Exactly. We're changing lives every day. Thank you for coming on, Rowena. Um, this has been another episode of the Edip Experience podcast with your guest today, Dr. Rowena. 
Tom Manang. I said that right, right? Tom. Manang? Yes. Thank you right, so see, much, Joe. I'm going to make sure to get it right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been ed up. Well, it seems from all of the reports that have come out and the studies that have been done that more and more people are interested in short-term types of education and training, especially now with such huge job demand out there, than say, geez, I got to mostly leave the workforce for two or four years to get a degree. Particularly for our college, we've been very strong in the two-year degree space, but we've not been as strong in the short-term workforce development space for individuals to be able to come and take a short-term few weeks, few months workforce training course and go out and get a job or get a better job. We haven't done a lot of that. And I thought this was an opportunity for us to be able to get into that space very quickly and be able to provide more diversity of offerings using our partners in Unmuddle who can provide some expertise that we don't have at a medium-sized college in the middle of New York.